This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome to Be Lifted Up. Be Lifted Up with the Successpert, award-winning financial educator, wealth expert, speaker, and author, Alfred Edmund Jr. And your co-host, life coach and author, D. Marshall. It's Be Lifted Up. Be Lifted Up. It's Be Lifted Up, your guide to living an abundant life. Listen, I am D.C. Marshall, and he is Alfred Edmund Jr. And this is a show all about faith and finances. You know, today we're talking about secession planning. And I can't help but think about this, not just from a business perspective, but also from a leadership perspective. So our show today, we are asking uh, one question. It's how can your business exists beyond your lifetime. However, we will also talk about succession planning in terms of leadership. So um, Alfred, what do you think about our show topic today? Well, it's a great topic because when we're talking about abundant life on Be Lifted Up Radio, we'll ultimately talk about multi-generational wealth. And that in- implies and infers that you'll be passing something down. We're talking legacy. We're talking estate planning as well as succession planning. We're talking passing down principles and values, which speaks to your point about leadership. So we'll get a chance to get into all of that during the course of today's show with our very, very special guest as well. I really want to set up the show in terms of what are we talking about? So if you are not familiar with the concept succession planning, um, I want you to stay with us because I'm going to speak to it from the opposite angle as uh, from our guests, but to make it make sense. So stay with us, but here is the, the purpose and the intent for the discussion today in terms of supporting you. Um, one, we really want to support you in understanding the importance of secession planning. In fact, I have a story about it, but I'm not gonna tell it, I'll save it for just a minute. We're gonna talk about not just the importance of succession planning for those of you who get it, but also helping you with the ability to really understand what you have in terms of your value or the value of your business. So we're going to talk about that. And then we're going to talk about, you know, just connecting the concept of um, of planning and growing a business and then how to transition out of that. So um, that is what we are talking about today on the show. Alfred, why do I get the sense that this is also one of your favorite topics, secession planning? Why? Why? Again, I'm all about everything that's multi-generational wealth. In fact, um, in my other role as a longtime editor and executive at Black Enterprise, we always say, if it's not multi-generational, it's not wealth. So when we're talking about succession planning, estate planning, leaving a legacy, that, that could hit pretty much everyone. If you're a business owner, you obviously need to make plans for what you want to happen with your business um, should you hold on to it and, and you, you pass on. You need to make plans for that. 
and that gets into evaluating the business. The other way you got to look at it as a business person or as a manager or leader in the company, if even if it's not your business, is you got to have a plan for how you move people through the organization. If a person gets promoted, who are you going to backfill it with? That's the session planning is important. Then, of course, we know about the larger issues around estate planning. How do you capture wealth that's accumulated in the course of a lifetime? Assets, real estate, stocks, bonds, bank accounts, whatever assets you may have during the course of your life. How do you make sure that it's passed down in the most effective way possible to future generations? And to your earlier point um, and our point on the show all the time, there's the passing down of legacy, of values, of principles, uh, of faith in the case of our show, Be Lifted Up, which is a faith-driven show. How do you make sure that that is passed on? Because if you pass on assets, you don't pass on the principles, the assets will be lost, wasted, harmful. It's the principles that undergird the passing on of assets. So I'm really, yeah, you're right, I am excited about this conversation. We have the perfect guest to actually have this conversation, and I'm so glad he can make himself available for the show. David E. Eady is the author of Executive Help, How to Settle an Estate. He's also a certified executor advisor, which I definitely want to learn more about that. Um, so he is really an expert and specialist on this whole idea of estate planning, passing on things to future generations, whether that's a business or other assets. Welcome to the show, David. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. This is a great opportunity, and it's amazing the things that you guys talk about that's uh, helping so many others. So, so why don't we jump right into my first question, which is really talk to me about what it means to be a certified executor advisor. What is that and why is that of value to, to our listeners? Well, as a certified ex executive advisor, what I'm doing, um, I'm helping people who are, are faced with the responsibility of being an executor, sort of a quarterback to help them put together, uh, help them settle the estate. If you've been um, left with, with the task of being an executor, you can expect to spend over 100 hours, your working hours during the day to do that. And you can look to be spending at least in between 18 to 24 months. And with the pandemic, it could take even longer to settle the estate. So a, a CEA will help coordinate and work with the other advisors that you're going to need, your team, to make sure that the estate gets settled as fast as possible, because there's a lot of landmines that you're going to come across. And tell us about why you wrote your book, Executor Help, How to Settle in a State. Uh, I would imagine part of it is that you can't be everywhere at once, and some people may need help, at least preliminarily, no. even before they get to um, secure someone like you to help them. Well, the whole book is actually uh, ex um, Executor Help, How to Settle in a State, Pick an Executor, and Avoid Family Fights. The reason I wrote the book is because, in my case, it took seven years 10 court appearances and $50,000 in lawyer's fees to settle my parents' estate, and they had a will. And every time I would talk about what I was going through, I, I'd hear about one other executor who was telling me, you know what, I had this happen to me. I have another, uh, an individual in a family says, you know, our family's not talking to each other because of an, uh, an, an estate. And the more I heard that, I didn't want anybody else to have to go through what I went through. So during the pandemic, I wrote the book. Wow. Wow. You bring up probably the part that I think is most important. And we're talking about, I wanna say two different things. How much wealth is lost in this process because this is handled so poorly in many cases in, in, in families. So it's, it's lost wealth, it's lost assets from generation to generation. 
but also damaged relationships. We're talking about spiritual, emotional damage, mental damage. Like you know, like I said, I, I, I know people in families that have, haven't talked to each other in 20 years over conflicts around the estate of someone who passed. And I also Absolutely. know through my own estate planning attorney of people who lost great wealth because they spent more money fighting over their estate than they did in transitioning the estate. Absolutely. It's, it's unbelievable. It's, it's sort of a dirty little secret that people don't realize is going on. Um, but since I wrote the book and it's mm -hmm. barely out uh, 60 days, I've had uh, media coverage and I've been getting emails from people uh, you know, in the US and Canada telling me their stories just about that. It's not so much the money part, it's the, the, the broken relationships and what it's done to the family. In my case, uh, we are three siblings and two of us, uh, the three of us haven't, got, haven't gotten together since my, uh, my dad died in 2012. Um, we haven't spent a holiday together. Wow. I'm so sorry to hear that, David. But, you know, we, we've heard these stories before in terms of the court battles among siblings, among family. And so I think one of the motivators for being responsible and going through the process of estate planning and planning and such is to avoid going to court, battling with family. So my question is, how is it possible to have everything lined up and to still have, or still wind up in court? How is that even possible? Because the idea or the thought is, if I have all of my documents and my ducks in a row, so to speak, right? Everything's clear. Your parents had a will. How is it that you still ended up in court? Well, it comes down to conversations. There are three types of families, families who avoid this subject, families who will do the, the bare minimum or have you know, a will, but they let the paperwork do the talking. They don't have the conversation with the beneficiaries, which was our case. I mean, I, as an advisor, I had my mom and dad. I had everybody in my office, except for that one sibling. I had them that day, uh, several years ago, they all got their wills done. Everybody got their wills done. But my parents never, and we're three kids, it should have been split three ways, and that's the way it was. They should, they should have had the conversation with all three of us and say, this is what, how it's going to be broken down. To your point where you're saying, well, you know, you've got all your ducks in a row. It doesn't really matter because as much as you would think everything is equal, equal is not always fair to other beneficiaries. They've always got some other reason why to do what they want to do. And it doesn't take much for someone. Well, actually, there's a saying that says you never learn about somebody until you have to share an inheritance with them. And that's exactly what uh, I, I found out. I assumed, you know, the fifth or sixth time we're heading to court, how could, how could we be, having, having, be sitting here and having third parties decide what's going on in our family? It's, it's, it's the craziest thing. My parents would be horrified what we went through. We're talking about secession planning, estate planning, um, a touchy subject for a number of reasons. One, we don't like to talk about death and dying, but then we also don't like to talk about the planning because in talking about planning, estates, will, secession planning, that means somebody's gonna die. And you know what? Listen, this is a show about faith. And so let's just pause here for a minute, okay? Let's to level, just to level set. God says we're all leaving here, okay? We're going to go. We are going to die, okay? So whether we plan for it or not, whether we talk about it or not, 
everyone is going as much as it hurts, as much as it is painful. And even in this season, we know there's been a lot of loss, but it's going to happen. And the better thing to do is to talk about it or at least plan for it. And so we are here with um, our guest expert. Um, and I'm so happy that you have a resource, you have an actual book. So whatever it is that we don't get to on the show, we could certainly purchase the book. We were talking about your family situation, which is so unfortunate, your loss, uh, loss through dying, but also your loss of your siblings. And so what I heard you say is you could have all of your ducks in a row and still end up fighting. I heard you say that conversations are necessary, but can you share a bit more? Because I still am not clear if there is a document, if there is a will, because I'm, I'm now nervous about my own self. I'm, I'm thinking I'm responsible, but I don't want people to be in court arguing about this. So please jump in and just share a bit more about what could have been done differently in this situation. Absolutely. What could have been done in our situation? I'll talk about my family is that my parents should have said, you know, there's three of you and we're leaving our assets split equally among the three of you. You may not like what we're saying to you kids, but this is the way it's going to be. End of story. So there shouldn't be any further conversation. There shouldn't be any argument. Everybody should understand that. When my mom passed, we assumed that, you know, it should go according to her will and now the third sibling magically, mystically appeared with a piece of paper saying that my mom had signed this letter saying that uh, two thirds should go to her and my other sibling and I should split a third. And then during that time, my dad was in the hospital. He was, um, he was blind. He had dementia. He had cancer. And then she used undue coercion to have him change the will, which, you know, both wills, because he passed away a, a year within my, my mom. So the assets were being transferred over. She coerced him into changing the will in that way, two thirds to her and a third to my sibling and I do to uh, distribute. And um, we just said, no, if it's not right, especially since, and that's the other thing is, as an advisor, I should have been, I've been doing this for 35 years. I've been in the, the, uh, the estate planning, sitting in the office with clients having their wills done. When it came to my parents, I couldn't fathom sitting there talking about their death. I couldn't sit in the room, but my older sister was there and she was the one that was there. So she knew, they all knew, everybody knew except for this one sibling. But again, you're in your mind, it's three ways. We're three kids. What could be more fair than equal? So you're so, right. So I love what you're saying is that no D there is, there was nothing else. The only thing was to have a conversation. So it's on the table and everyone's clear. So there, there wasn't a, a different document. There wasn't an addendum. There isn't this, that, or the other. It was no. literally just have a conversation. So everyone is clear. And if there's any disconnect at the time, your mother could have said, yep, I'm giving two thirds over here. So I get that. I get that. Alfred, what were you going to say? Well, I think the important part of this message for our audience is that to the degree there is going to be debate, discussion, conflict, you want that to happen when both parents, in this case, are able to clearly communicate what it is they want. Meaning the more you quote unquote fight, if it's going to be a fight, before the will is finalized, the less there is to fight over afterwards. It kind of minimizes, doesn't eliminate the surprise factor 
and the, you know, I didn't hear that and you didn't, that's not what I was told when everybody's told the same thing at the same time and people can get their grievances out up front. And I've heard other estate planning attorneys say that the same way. The discussion that we avoid on the front end, we're only going to pay on the back end if we don't have that discussion. Is, is that true, David? Yeah. And I would add also, because we, we keep talking about legacy and inheritance, look at it this way. If I'm going to leave a legacy, I'm leaving something behind. So I'm seeing it one way. If I'm the beneficiary, I'm seeing that as an inheritance. That's something that's coming to me. So we're looking at the same thing two different ways. So as if I'm going to leave something behind, these are my wishes. End of story. This is what I want. As you as being the beneficiary, this is my inheritance. This is coming to me. If you're an executor, you've got to also look at how they are looking at it because they're only interested in what's coming to them. So they're not going to see the same thing. So having that conversation in advance with the beneficiaries, because also what happens with families that spouses get involved, cousins, aunts who have, have nothing to do with this. There's another part of my family that are uh, cousins who had nothing, who have no idea what went on in my family and the things I went through, and that's in my book, but they stuck their nose in it. And up until the point, the funeral of my dad, which I didn't go to because I was a whole mess altogether as well too. There was no way I was going to, based on what was going on. So it's the conversations and you need to let your beneficiaries know, these are my wishes. At the end of the day, it's your money. You could do whatever you want. You could give it away all to charity. You may, may not like it, but you can decide and you say, this is what I want to have done. End of story. Um, and for people, and that's the problem in the black community is that we're afraid to have those conversations. We're um, we stay away from that. I don't know if you watched the, the TV show Insecure. There's an episode right now where the character Molly wanted to talk to her mom about estate planning, her and her, her dad, and they sort of fluffed it off. And then, you know, she put a little pressure on it. And then the mother says, I know you want to help us, but I'm afraid. I've got that fear. Fast forward to later on in the episodes now, the mom's now in the hospital with a stroke, massive stroke. She can't have, she can't say what's going on and she doesn't have a will. And so that's the problem in the, the Black community. And that's why I've been doing a lot of press also in the Black communities, because uh, especially in the U.S., only one third of the Black community has a will because you, they take the consideration, well, you know, whatever happens, I haven't got enough. It's just going to be, you know, let them fight over it or whatever. You can't leave a legacy. You need to leave a legacy, but not a mess. So you've got to make that decision. And it's going to come down to having conversations. But the first part, is you need to have a will. And, and far too many uh, in our community don't have a will. And um, that's where we, where David, we run you, into problems. You make another important point that, that I've experienced with, with uh, you know, just people that I've covered um, in my work as a journalist, as a financial journalist. Sometimes the, it, it also needs to be like a living will or some living documents for when the person is not dead, but they're incapacitated, which also happens a lot with people who have strokes or otherwise either temporarily or permanently incapacitated. And too often, we're not having that conversation either. In fact, I believe if the statistics are still the same, you're actually more likely to be disabled before you die than you are to die. But too often, we don't think about those documents as well. So talk to me about you know, some of the things that people should be thinking about with regard to anticipating that as well. Well, you like you're right, you're only gonna die once, but there's chances are you're gonna have the the, the disability, the end of life decisions, all of those things there, those are all going to come about, be part of your package of your estate plan. Yes, the will is one area, but you know, the living will, the power of attorney, and the final decisions, 
those things there, you want to have those done because you want to let people know, or the person that you're leaving uh, in response uh, responsibility, you want them to know what your wishes are. These are the things you want. You can't have a meaningful conversation when somebody's on a respirator. I can I can pretty much guarantee you that. Okay, and being in in the intensive care is no place to find out that your dad doesn't have a will. So you need to be prepared and have all the documents so that if you are incapacitated, there's a plan for it. If you become disabled, there's a plan for it. And if you die, there's a plan for it. And there's someone who's going to take over the responsibility to make sure that you pay the right amount of taxes and then the estate is settled properly and the beneficiaries are paid. This is a critical conversation. We're here with David Eady expert on uh, executor advising, uh, author of Executor Help, How to Settle an Estate. Um, we're going to come right back. You're listening to Be Lifted Up, your guide to living an abundant life. Announcing the Mocha Podcast Network, an innovative lifestyle podcast network featuring conversations from a Black perspective. Curated with respected voices led by actresses and comedians Sherry Shepard and Kim Whitley. We're funny and we have a yes. point of view. We call that edumatainment. That's what we call it. Ed- is that what it is? Veteran TV journalist Rolanda Watts. Shocking the heck out of everybody. The legendary Unky Divas in Vogue. This topic is girl groups in the industry. To syndicated broadcast personalities, Lonnie Love and Dee Dee McGuire, as well as an array of experts and activists. Mocha Podcast Network, a lifestyle destination with authentic voices and perspectives designed to enrich and empower women of color with a unique listening experience. More than a destination, the Mocha Podcast Network is a full-service studio that offers an ongoing portfolio of production, distribution, marketing, guest booking, and most importantly, ad sales. With a unique revenue model for podcasters that includes customized promotional campaigns created specifically around podcaster and targeted audience, service social media promos and pushes, MPN brand advertising, targeted electronic newsletter, experienced sales representation, For advertisers, the Mocha Podcast Network is a safe marketplace to align their brands with trusted voices, organically engaging the highly in-demand female consumer and more. With quality over quantity, from concept to completion, now is the time for content creators and brands to join the innovative Mocha Podcast Network and experience unapologetic conversations with a new perspective. And we're back and we're going to pick up right where we left off because this is such a a necessary topic to discuss um, here. We're a little more uh, comfortable, I guess. No, not really. It's never really comfortable. But I think it's a great conversation to have when we have an expert and when we have just an individual who has been through this. So we really want to talk about um, the point you made, David, when you said, you know, you are the advisor, the expert for everyone else. But when it came to you, you just didn't want to talk about your parents dying. And I have to admit, I too, it's a hard thing to do. So let's go to the book. And really, how are you advising us to have these family conversations? Or what else in the book can we find around this? Well, the book is written in two areas. It's if you're going to be the executor, you need to be 
uh, aware of what the, the, the job entails and the responsibility, because like I said, it's going to take you over 100 hours and you're going to have to do that during your work days. And it's also written for the individual who's building their estate or setting up their estate plan and for them to understand what's involved, what's the responsibility they're asking somebody to do. Because a lot of people just, you know, might do the will, but they may not tell the, uh, an individual that they're the, the executor until they get this phone call from a lawyer. And if that's the case for you, then, you know, you have to make the choice. Do I want to do this? A lot of people do it because out of, of um, you know, responsibility and what a nice job. But on the other hand, you also have taken consideration. It's a lot of work that's involved and you can renounce and you could say, no, I don't want to do it. And, and, and for a lot of reasons, because you might have what I call in the book, the triangle of conflict, which means if you have one of these three issues, there's no will, there's a second marriage or the kids don't get along. If you've got any one of those three issues, the job just got a whole lot more difficult. Now you have to decide if you've been chosen as an executor, do I want to be part of that nonsense? Because it takes it to another level. Now, it, when you're an executor and you want to have that conversation, say it's mom and dad, you might see over the holidays, you know what, they're slowing down or they need to, 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 to do this, you know, you know, just at least get them organized. Because at the end of the day, if something was to happen to them, God forbid, it's going to come back on you. You know, it might mean that some financially you might have to be helping them out. It might change your lifestyle. If you don't live close, you might have to live closer to look after them. Are there other siblings? Do you guys get along? Is there a plan to look after mom and dad? If there's no will and there's no sort of directives, you know, power of attorney, all those sort of things like that. Now it's going to become uh, chaos and you're, it's going to be disorganized. So you need to have those conversations with your siblings and then also have the conversation with mom and dad. Now they might, it could go one of two ways. They might say, hey, why are you guys ganging up on us? Or, you know, I really appreciate it. But it's not going to be a one-time conversation. And then, you know, it, it never comes up again. I wouldn't suggest doing it at the, you know, the Thanksgiving day table or at Christmas, you know, past the turkey. Oh, by the way, mom, what are you doing with the will? I don't think that's going to play. Maybe you do, you, you wait a day or two after when everybody's around and then you just bring it up but it's gonna be an ongoing process. You flip it the other way, if you've started to organize yourself, you're, you're heading into the retirement or you are retired and you wanna have that um, succession plan or you, the will set up and you wanna let the kids know that what you're doing and who you've chosen as the executor, maybe that's gonna get some people upset. It doesn't matter, it's your, it's your estate. You can do anything you want. So what you wanna make sure is that you want make them understand what's going on. now. It might may upset some people, and that's why a lot of parents hold off having that conversation with the kids, because they're either embarrassed about you know where they are in terms of their own finances, and they don't want to become a burden on their kids. Either way, you need to have that conversation. Don't be in a, a family that avoids difficult conversations and then hopes everything's going to work out. The worst thing you can do, especially if you're planning your uh, estate and you've got your family there, is to say, well, you know what? I saw everybody at Christmas or at Thanksgiving. We, everybody got along. We had a good time. There's no need to bring that up. There's no, you have no idea how they're going to behave when you're not there because you're the steadying force in the family. And you have no idea how they're going to behave. Like I said before, you have no idea how someone's going to behave when you have to share an inheritance with them. So you have to say, you know what, I'm looking forward that I want to make sure I transfer my, uh, my wealth, whatever it is, my legacy, 
and make sure that I leave a legacy that I'm proud of. And it's going to, hopefully the family is going to continue on because a lot of intergenerational wealth transfer doesn't make it to the, the third or fourth generation. It usually gets stopped because there isn't the, the discussions that each generation understands. This is how this family works. And it's being passed down, passed down, passed down. Usually it's about 70% make it to the second generation. And by the, by the third, it's not there. In our case, we're three kids. The assets that my parents own, we no longer own anymore because of the what we had to go through dealing with one particular sibling. So. How does that apply? You talk about you know, getting multi-generations and having a plan, um, specifically to business owners who may be trying to pass down a business or business assets from one generation to the next, which you know is, is a huge issue, uh, you know, succession planning in general and estate planning in general. Well, a lot of, a lot of business owners don't do uh, succession planning because A, they think they're going to live forever or they're so busy working in the business they're not working on it in terms of what I, they're not looking at it as an entity that I'm going to take it and pass it on to the next generation. Or with the succession plan, does that next generation even want to be involved in the business? Mm -hmm. So you need to figure out, okay, I need to know what's the value of my business if I if I was going to sell it. What's my exit? You know, how are my my investments? Hopefully, not all your assets are tied up inside of the of the business. So you know, what other investments do I have? And then the other thing that's always um, left out when it comes to succession planning is uh, the life planning. What am I going to do now that I've sold this business and, or it's not gone on to what am I going to do now? Because every day now is Saturday. You're used to getting up and going to the business and, and doing the grind. The grind's not there anymore. And what's happened and in, in it's been shown statistically that if the husband is home with the wife, that it usually ends up in a marital discord because she's used to him being out the door and now he's underfoot uh, 24 seven or vice versa. So you need to have a succession plan because only one of three things has, is gonna happen. Either you're going to, uh, hopefully it goes to the family, you're gonna sell it or you're gonna shut it down. So you need to figure out, okay, what's my exit? Because you're not just working the business just to have a business. There's gotta be an end game somewhere. And the end game could be you get it sold or what we call the five Ds. It could be based on uh, death, disability, divorce, uh, distress, or disagreement. One of those five Ds there also is going to be a reason why your business doesn't exist anymore. So you need to have a plan for that. Well, listen, you're circling back to uh, the point you made earlier. Again, this is true for business owners too. You don't want to find out you know, right when you're trying to get out of the business that nobody in your family wants the business. That goes back to your point. You need to have realistic conversations, honest conversations with your kids and others about whether they really want to roll in a business, do they really want to take it over. You don't want to find that out when you're under duress and you don't have a lot of options. And to be honest with yourself, because a lot of times parents try to force their kids to take on businesses that they don't really want to take on, as opposed to saying, listen, they're making it very clear to me either by words or actions, that this is not what they want to do. I need to come up with another alternative to make sure that this business transitions in a way that makes sense for long-term family wealth. That you've got some value into the business and you've got other assets, but it's not all tied up in the business. So if your kids don't want it, that it's going to be an opportunity to somebody else, to a buyer, that you've made the business so valuable that it's got value that there's someone's going to scratch you a big check for you to go away and you move on with your life. But you also have to have a life plan. We're having a really, really important discussion. 
Um, this will be part one. We're going to come back and dig into it some more in another show. Um, but we're here with David Eady, author of Executive Help, a certified executive advisor who's really been dropping a lot of knowledge about why we need to take and be proactive about estate planning, succession planning, and the general idea of what it takes to pass on wealth to future generations. David, talk to me some more about some of the elements of the book. And I know you're saying every chapter is a winner, um, but some of the elements of the book that you think our audience really needs to look at to help them get this conversation started. I mean, as Dee said, it sounds like the conversation is the most important thing. You're the other technical things that need to get done, legally technical things, the legal, well, I say in the, in the book that you do need, uh, you're gonna, you need to have a team. So you need an accountant, you need a lawyer, you're going to need a financial advisor to help transfer the assets while they're, uh, you know, in transition. But I think another thing that's often neglected and people haven't really thought about is their digital assets. So that's anything you ever bought or did online or purchased online. So everything you've ever done, it's either in the cloud or it's on your desktop. It's on, on your hard drive. And far too often, people have no idea, haven't given any thought about those areas. So, you know, what, what's going to happen to your email, your, your social media? I have a friend told me the other day, he had a friend passed away and his Facebook page was still posting, even though this, this individual had passed away. You know, and it all, by not taking care of those digital assets and letting um, your executor know where all the logins and passwords are, to your, you know, your phone, um, your uh, laptop, your desktop, not letting them know where those are. It all also opens you up to um, identity theft. If someone knows that you've passed away, but those accounts are still active, they, they can go in there and, you know, try to take out money. They could try to, um, you know, put a, a, a property up for sale. So you need to also take in consideration digital assets. The same thing with, um, you know, the, the big push now with cryptocurrency. You need to make sure those passwords are also part of your digital uh, assets. So you've got your estate, which is going to be your will, your power of attorney, and your healthcare uh, initiatives. Um, you know, you've got that as part of your estate, but you're also going to have to make sure that your digital assets make up part of your estate as well. So you need to let somebody know where the keys are to the, the digital assets. That point about digital assets is a big one. Literally yesterday, there's a very, very dear friend of mine who's passed away at least a decade ago. I still get notifications about work anniversaries on LinkedIn. Like literally, I got one two days ago. And, and again, you know, the social media companies don't really have a great solution for what to do about that because it really is not their job role interest to do that. You're right. I'm thinking about that. You know, my kids don't know my social media passwords. If something happened to me, they wouldn't know what I would want and how I would shut it down. And for you to do that, for your kids to know, and, and I was going to say that all of these, this information, well, it's your will and all the other important information and your digital assets, like your login and passwords, you need to put it somewhere so everybody knows where it is, which means it needs to be in a bright orange, red, and bright orange envelope or bright red envelope. And you say, if something was to happen, you go in the drawer and in that red envelope, you're going to find everything you're going to need. So you're going to have to put all those assets there. When someone passes away or there's an emergency, people are traumatized and you can't find a folder when they're traumatized. So make it as easy as possible for them to find it. So you know what? It's sort of like, you know, um, when there's a fire, you, you know, take the hammer and break the glass. 
This is how you break the glass. When you break the glass, go in that file cabinet and pull out this big orange. There's also services that you can, you know, put it in the cloud. It doesn't matter. The point is you need to let your executor, your family know that important information is when it, when it needs to be found so that they aren't left disorganized, traumatized, and also in chaos. Wow. Listen, everybody, we want you to send your questions you can direct message B, the letter B, lifted up radio on Twitter, on Instagram. We're going to continue the conversation, but if you have questions, please, um, you find B, letter B, lifted up radio on Instagram or Twitter. You can actually find us on Facebook as well and DM us your questions. So we, we, we're going to definitely collect those questions, answer all the questions that we can get, maybe get them in front of David, get him, bring him back on the show, because this is a conversation we need to have. Um, not just today, but in our households going forward as we address these issues that we're serious about um, multi-generational wealth. Dee? Yeah. So David, I guess here's a question. I want to go back to the book. Um, I'm guessing there is chapter and details on how to select an executor. Um, and the reason I ask is because one of my girlfriends a couple years ago asked me and I, my, my gut reaction <laughs> was no jokingly it was no because she has a lot and i just didn't want a lot of people after me um and it was kind of lighthearted, and it was a joke and then certainly when i thought about it you know i went back to her and i said you know what i said um you know i i would most certainly be willing but um initially my reaction was no because she has a lot and so i didn't want to end up being a target for any of that and then I too selected, uh, you know, I, I know I selected the right person, but how, how do you recommend folks select their executor? Um, and when you were saying that your friend asked you that she had a lot, did she have a lot in terms of assets or she had a lot of beneficiaries that you know you would have to deal with and it'd be a lot of drama? Um, a lot of assets and not necessarily a lot of people that I think would be dramatic, but yeah, it, it just, she's very well known. She's high visible, high profile. Right. Right. So it was more of that, like more of the unknowns, like you right. know, she's high level, high visible. She definitely a ton of assets, very wealthy, but um, actually only one brother. So it would probably have only been in terms of biological is, is a brother. So, but, so it would just be a transfer to him. So. No, no, no. I doubt it. That's why. That's why. She oh, but so, so there's where the drama would come in. So it would be transfer. I already know to her godchildren of which she has a lot. But nothing and, to the brother? Um, Something, but it wouldn't have been him as the executor. And, okay. and I think at the time she was even dating. So I think that became a conversation of me and my circle of friends about, yeah, yeah. So. Did she have a conversation with her brother that he wasn't chosen as executor and you were? Um, no. Mm -mm. So that would be a surprise, which he would say, how come she picked you and not him? Do you think so when we're over, you know, mature people of a certain age, do you think if there's an assumption that it's going to be a sibling? If you're over 40 or 50, is it an assumption that you're going to, it's going to be a sibling if, if they're not married? You would be surprised how people behave when there's an estate. 
I so, write in the book, you're going to see the worst human behavior you're about to see. You have no idea. I keep saying you don't know about anybody until you have to share an estate. You have to share an inheritance with them. So again, you're thinking, well, you know what? He, he'll, he'll understand. He's not going to understand. And even if you say something was going to go to him, if you're not working fast enough, don't be surprised he's going to take you to court. That's why I talk about in the book. Make sure you have a lawyer nearby because it doesn't take much for an executor to um, be be um, brought up uh, in terms of they're not they're saying they're not handling the estate properly. You're going too slow. Again, your your friend's leaving a legacy, something behind to her godkids and something to her brother. Her brother's seeing it is this is something I'm entitled to. This is money coming to me. What's it taking so long? What's taking you so long? The more that there's left, the worse people act. I've seen that from experience. The more there is to fight over, the more likely are people to fight, the less reasonable people will be. And if he has a spouse, I don't know, if he has a spouse, she might be sticking her nose in. Why is she taking so long? You need to be up in her, blah, 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 blah. It happens all the time. And again, you'd be surprised. Even when I was going through, I was going through more than once. I'm going, who? And people were sticking their nose in. And I would say to my other sister, who are these people? I don't remember them sitting at our Christmas table. I don't remember my mom saying, pass them another some turkey. Who are these people that are up in our business? You're listening to Be Lifted Up Your Guide to Living an Abundant Life with myself, Alfred Edmund Jr., and my partner, co-host DC Marshall. And we've been having a fascinating discussion with David E. Eady, the author of Executive Help, How to Settle in a State. David, what are you know one or two or three things that if our audience didn't remember anything else about this conversation, you want to know to kind of walk away from um, this show with today? Well, I'd say the biggest dangers that you want to avoid is that you take the time to prepare for the unexpected. Make sure that you have a will. Uh, what you need to do is meet with a lawyer. Uh, make sure that you've got a power of attorney, healthcare uh, directives, and that you have the conversations with your family so that they know where the, that you've, you've taken those steps and that you've also let them know where the important information is gonna be kept. And again, we wanna remind our audience, we're gonna do a part two of this show. Direct message us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at B, the letter B, Lifted Up Radio. That's B, Lifted Up Radio. We want your questions. We're gonna get them answered. We have to get deeper into this. This takes a lot of unpacking. We're gonna go deeper into this in another Be Lifted Up show. D? And I, I would add this just to wrap up. Um, two things. So one, how do you move forward in difficult conversations? Um, considering the time and the season, I would say life planning. Um, so I heard David mention this, and this is one of the things that is ideal in the season is to sit down with the family over the holiday, the new year. Um, also, birthdays are great opportunities to have family conversations about life plans. And in a broader conversation of life planning, you can talk about everything from insurance to will to, uh, you know, uh, whether or not you, you wanna be buried or cremated, but you can have all of those conversations framed in planning, framed in conversation and fellowship with family. So I would say that as one. Um, another is, you know, this is a difficult conversation. And so counseling is not out of the question. And here is where counseling and therapy could come into play. 
it would be perfectly fine and reasonable to have on your staff, in addition to your financial planner, in, a, in addition to your estate planning attorney, in addition to uh, you know, an accountant, a bookkeeper, a therapist, that's next level. That's legacy when we're responsible with not just our assets, but also when we are responsible with our mental wellness. And, and as leaders and as believers, it would be fair and reasonable for us to add counseling and therapy so that we can work through really difficult conversations. So we are closing out this show, but we are going to have a part two because we're gonna, we're gonna drill down deeper. So between now and the next time we meet with David, I'm gonna encourage you all to buy the book. In fact, it'll be sort of kind of like a virtual book club discussion. So we will go through the book. We're gonna get the book and we will talk through it. Um, you could also invite family to join in and listen, particularly if you believe you'll have a challenge in this very difficult conversation. So. Listen, everybody, David, Alfred, this is a show about faith and finances. And so- And, and to, that, to that point, Dean, let me just say one more thing. This is a good time to really get into the word, get into the word, because when it's all said and done, what's really more important? The material things that obviously we can fight over, which ultimately are gonna lose value anyway, or the relationships that really are the legacy we're passing on from generation to generation. So we need to really check our spiritual and biblical and faith values also in this conversation. This is Be Lifted Up, Your Guide to Living an Abundant Life. It is a faith-based show. So in addition to everything we've talked about, you need to talk to your God, you need to look at your faith to find out what is the appropriate way to conduct ourselves in these very, very difficult situations. That's it listening to Be Lifted Up, your guide to living an abundant life. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram at Be Lifted Up Radio. Thanks, David, for joining us for the show. I'm Alfred Edmund Jr. with DC Marshall. It's Be Lifted Up, your guide to living an abundant life. Announcing the Mocha Podcast Network, an innovative lifestyle podcast network featuring conversations from a Black perspective. Curated with respected voices led by actresses and comedians Sherry Shepard and Kim Whitley. We're funny and we have a yes. point of view. We call that edumatainment. That's what we call it. Ed is that what it is? Veteran TV journalist Rolanda Watts. Shocking the heck out of everybody. The legendary Unky Divas in Vogue. This topic is girl groups in the industry. To syndicated broadcast personalities, Lonnie Love and Dee Dee McGuire, as well as an array of experts and activists. Mocha Podcast Network, a lifestyle destination with authentic voices and perspectives designed to enrich and empower women of color with a unique listening experience. More than a destination, the Mocha Podcast Network is a full-service studio that offers an ongoing portfolio of production, distribution, marketing, guest booking, and most importantly, ad sales. With a unique revenue model for podcasters that includes customized promotional campaigns created specifically around podcaster and targeted audience, service social media promos and pushes, MPN brand advertising, targeted electronic newsletter, experienced sales representation, 
For advertisers, the Mocha Podcast Network is a safe marketplace to align their brands with trusted voices, organically engaging the highly in-demand female consumer and more. With quality over quantity, from concept to completion, now is the time for content creators and brands to join the innovative Mocha Podcast Network and experience unapologetic conversations with a new perspective.